Hi, it's Marzena Varana Sherlock. Welcome to the fifth episode of Just Stories podcast. Today I will be inviting Eva to tell us about her special place that she calls her mental sanctuary. Eva and I have known each other from our time working in the radio station in Poland. Both of us used to hang out in the newsroom preparing radio documentaries, editing interviews and debating those big questions that life throws at all of us. We could spend a vast amount of time on those never-ending conversations and I hope today you will get a taste of that. Please bear in mind this episode contains some language that may be considered offensive by some people. We will be talking about something that might be upsetting to some listeners. Hello, Eva. Hi, Marzena. I'm very excited to have you here. I would love you to take us on a journey of discovery. And without further ado, I would like you to tell us what your favorite picture is. Oh, my God. What is my favorite picture? Hmm. I took so many pictures in my life. It's hard to say which one is the most favorite. But one that comes to my mind like immediately is the very first picture that I took when I got my first camera. When I got my very first camera, I was like 15 years old and it was an old Russian film camera. I had no idea how to use. For me, it was like black magic. My brother gave it to me and he said, try to do something else than just getting in trouble. So maybe, you know, photography, maybe taking pictures will keep you out of that. And I was holding this this camera and I was like, okay, I really have no idea what all these buttons and twists and turns are for. And I got myself the first roll of film that was like 36 frames. And, you know, I put it in and I went out and I was shooting, shooting, shooting. I shot all 36 frames and I was like, oh yeah, I'm so excited to see what I created. And then, you know, on the, the old days and you have, when you have a film camera and the film, you need to go and develop it. Right. So we used to go to these developing places, right. Those, those camera places, you know, you give them the film, they develop it, they print it and they, you know, and you pay and they give it back to you. So I remember I was so excited. He says, he says, okay, you know, come back in like two days. You know, I'm like, okay. So I was like so excited, waited on, waited on it. And then I came back, you know, and he goes to get my pictures and then he comes back. He holds this envelope and he gives it to me. I open that envelope and there's only one picture, right? Out of this 36 frames, there's only one picture. I was like looking at him like, what the, what's wrong? Like, what happened? Where's the rest? You know, and he says, well, the rest of them are like not worth printing. I don't want to waste your, you know, money. They were too dark or too bright. They were just not worth it. So I was like so disappointed at the same time. You know, I was excited. I I had hope like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to have these awesome pictures. And then there was nothing, right? But yeah, this only one picture was a picture of a puddle. In that puddle, there was a reflection of like a trees and sky. So I remember this picture. That was the only picture that that was like, okay. And I remember that picture to this day. And I think that's pretty much how my passion started from that first role. (laughs) That was so disappointing. (laughs) It sounds really devastating. And uh, this was my second question. I wanted to ask you if it turned into passion, which you kind of already said, because it could go the other way. You could go back to getting into trouble and say, screw that, this didn't work. So what happened in that moment that, you know, 36 frames, you're getting one picture back. Being 15 years old, the natural reaction should be, let's screw it. I'm not touching it anymore. What happened there? You know what? I think the the fact that I've always been a creative person. Before my camera, I would spend hours and hours just drawing. I would, you know, sketch and draw. And I felt like, you know, I really don't know why I haven't abandoned that camera. I felt like Maybe it is weird to compare it, but it's like with relationships, you know, like with people. Sometimes you meet a person and you just click, right? And then you meet another person and you're like, ah, there's something 
it's not working here you know it's like so i feel like having this camera in my hand i've always liked the feel it is weird but i've always liked the feel of holding my camera in my hand Being a teenager, of course, we are going through all these crazy hormonal things. And I struggled a lot with mental health and depression. And and I remember the things that I would draw, they were really dark. You know, I would like go and copy covers of books that I would read. And they were all like Stephen King and very dark, some monsters or skulls and all that. And I remember one time... I would draw all over my wall in my room and it was like dark chalk. I just had it and I would just one day I've just transformed my entire room into this really dark place. Like, you know, there were like skulls on my wall. And I remember my mom's reaction. She came into my room and the wall was on her left. She didn't see it first. She opened the door. She saw my room and she went in and she did something. And then she wanted to leave and she turned around and she saw this wall in front of her. And I was sitting, I was reading, I was doing something. And then she turned around and she says, what the fuck? What is this? She says, you need to raise this right now. You know, and she started just yelling at me. It just felt like at that time of my life, like nobody understood me. I've always wanted to be an artist. My dream was to go to art school. And my mom or my parents never agreed to that. They were like, oh, what do you want to be an artist? You know, you're already an artist. The artist description was very um, negative as in, you know, it's not an artist of an artist. It's artist of, you know, I always get in trouble. I'm such an artist. So they were kind of laughing at it. They would make fun of me. I know that they didn't mean to hurt me. It's just how it was. But me being, you know, very sensitive and already going through things and doing the things I was doing and always being criticized for it, I felt like the camera gave me a different outlet. Even I remember this first time when I went out with this camera and I absolutely didn't know what I'm doing. I remember just enjoying that time out, being out there with this thing in my hand and looking through that lens and just seeing the world in a little bit different way because, you know, the lens give you a little bit like we don't see as the camera see it. Our eyes see the world, they're a little different. It was exciting and I felt like we clicked, you know, I felt like, wow, I want to do more of it. I feel like a big help for me was that the person that developed my film, the very first film, he was a really cool guy. And I remember when he gave me that picture back, he asked me about that camera. And he said, you know, how long have you been playing with it? And I told him, I was like, I just got it. I told him, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you even like explain to me a little bit? Just these buttons, you know, the shutter speed and aperture. I was like, what are these numbers? Like, what do they mean? Because I'm a self-taught photographer. I never went to any classes, but he gave me the best and the most important photography lesson right there in his shop, spending with me, you know, 30 minutes, literally. He held this camera. He said, this is for this. This is for that. This is for this. He told me about the ISO. He told me about which film is for what and which is the best. And he said, good luck. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to do it again. And the second role was way better than the first one, which was comforting. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I got it. It just felt nice and felt good and felt like, again, like I'm going to repeat myself, but we clicked. And I remember from that day, the camera was just always around, always hanging, always with me. Wherever I would go, I had a camera and it felt really good. It sounds like it felt really good and obviously that click-click sound. There's something soothing about that. It almost makes me wonder 
Would you say that the camera gives you the opportunity to escape and hide? Do you hide behind the camera? Hmm. You know what? It's funny. I don't know if I hide behind the camera because it's not the camera itself. If I have the camera in my hand, I do transform. I feel like I'm like a Superman. You know, it's a Clark Kent. It's just in the office. But then the camera comes in my hand and it's just like clothes get off, ripped, and I'm here, you know, my cape flying behind me, and I'm just, like, ready to take on whatever, you know, problem is in front of me, and it's a weird feeling, and I can't even explain how and why it's happening, but I often feel like when I have a camera in my hand, it feels like I'm in this bubble under a dome that is just giving me this space where I literally forget about everything. I've struggled during my lifetime with depression, anxiety, other problems in my life. And I feel like when I take the camera in my hand and I start taking pictures or go out and work or use the camera in any way, sometimes even edit pictures, not only taking pictures, but sometimes even sitting, taking the pictures a little bit farther and, you know, sitting in front of a computer and editing it. It just feels like I'm, you know, in this bubble that is so safe and so comforting almost like I'm on, I don't know, in my mom's womb again, you know, I just feel safe and, and so secure. Like, that's the thing that I like in everyday life, I have a lot of insecurities that prevent me from enjoying or used to prevent me to enjoy my life fully, be present and relax and just, you know, enjoy the life. And I feel like when the camera comes out of my bag, I am whole. This is who I wish I was every day. I am confident. I could be in front of a million people. If I was given the camera and told, go and take pictures right now in front of these million people, I would be like, fuck it. I don't care about any of that. I can do it. It feels like I'm in some kind of different mindset. Everything is turned off. Sometimes I don't even hear things that are happening around me. Literally, my sense of hearing i could be like in a very crowded place cars are going you know and after my session it feels like i come back and i realize that for this past hour i didn't hear anything i didn't see anything but my subject for example and it also feels like when you come out of meditation a good session of meditation that i feel so energized. I've worked for like two, three hours, you know, and I should be tired, but I feel so energized and I feel so nice. And I feel like, oh my God, I needed it. I want more of it. It's just like a drug. It's a good positive drug. Going back to you saying, do I hide behind the camera? I don't really hide because since even I got my camera, I've done a lot of self-portraits, so I pretty much go in front of my camera often. I have this quote that says, photography is the story I fail to put into words. It's pretty much how I feel about photography because I feel like I lack words a lot, even in discussions or even in describing my emotions, how I feel or what I go through. Photography for me is that kind of expression. Like this is the story that I literally fail to put into words. Like I cannot describe the way I feel, but give me a camera and I will create for you a self-portrait that will tell you a story that it's a, a book. I often have people are saying they see so much of hurt or so much of sadness in my pictures, they feel the deepness of something dark, how I feel in the picture. And if somebody asked me to tell them how I feel, I would be like, uh, I don't know, I'm sad, you know, or um, I'm hurt. That's it. But why? How deep it is. And when I have this camera and I can express myself using a picture, it's amazing. I always say that's my superpower to tell my story using my pictures. And I don't feel that often, but 
this one thing, I feel like this is mine. This is my thing. This is my place. This is the place that I go when I feel like I need help. It's sometimes better than a therapist. Like people go to a therapy and they talk and whatnot. But for me, a good self-portrait session feels like six months of therapy. Like literally, and then I come home and I start editing and I have a few other ideas come to me and it starts building up and I'm adding and then I have a different idea. I'm like, oh, I need to add this. I'm missing this to portray some kind of other emotion that it's there. And it's just building up and building up and building up. When the the final like self-portrait is like, I'm done. I feel like this is it. I'm done. I feel like it's just this weight just gets off of me. Like I feel 10 pounds lighter and my emotions and my like mental health even is, yeah, it's like six months of therapy and I'm ready now, ready to go for the next, you know, six months. And I guess that's it because we're talking about the spaces, but for you, it's not that physical space. It sounds almost like mental sanctuary. I will go back to a question that I wanted to ask you. However, you're talking about that self-discovery journey when you're not almost snooping on other people, but you're snooping on yourself, which helps you to describe your feelings. How did it start? Do you remember your first self-portrait? Because I'm aware that you've had several different projects, but when was the point that you thought, I want to sit in front of the camera and see what will happen? When I got my camera, I wasn't taking a lot of self-portraits then, But I had a friend who, because of me, she got into photography as well. And she got a camera and we were both kind of running around and taking pictures of each other. And I remember she she would took some pictures of me. And I realized like, I like that, but not there was like, oh, pretty picture. It's just like we, you know, we were best friends. So we were not pretending a lot. She would capture me and these like moody mood. I like that. I was like, oh, wow, that's me. I feel this way. And she just captured that. So that was like the first kind of like feelings that I, I was getting from that. But then I was not taking self-portraits. I got into self-portraits. I think when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I was already taking a lot of pictures of our everyday life. Pretty much I was stay-at-home mom. I had a blog, just a lifestyle blog. Mostly it was cooking. So I would cook and take pictures of the food and I would add recipes in there. And one day it was the new year's resolution people do and they have some kind of new year's resolution and some kind of challenges they do and all that and I remember I was getting into like photography then I already had a digital camera so it was easier to take pictures edit them and post them and all that so I was following a lot of photography blogs the Instagram started then so I was following a lot of photography accounts and I was doing these different challenges they were like three 365 photography challenge so it's like one picture a day for a year and they would give you topics every day of what to take picture and I've done that and then one year I was sitting and thinking about I want to do a challenge like that I want to do a a resolution and some kind of photography challenge but I don't want it to be just a plain photography challenge, like 365 or 52, which is one image a week for a year. How can I challenge myself a little bit more? Like what I can do for it to literally become a challenge. So I was thinking and thinking and thinking. And then one thought came to my mind that self-portraits would be a tremendous challenge because I've always suffered with self-esteem through the years, you know, and being a mom, I gained weight, I lost weight, I had a baby, you know, I this, I that. And I've had these weird issues with my body and my self image since I was a teenager. So I thought, oh my God, can I do that? 36,500 self portraits. It was fucking scary. I was like, I'm gonna freaking try it. And 
I did. And I was posting those pictures every Friday. I started getting these amazing comments on my blog posts about how brave I am and how natural those portraits are. Like I was just putting a camera somewhere while I was cooking, for example, you know, and uh, that was my self-portrait. Or I was taking pictures of me breastfeeding. It was just life as it is. I wasn't photoshopping anything. I had dark circle under my eyes. I was tired. I was exhausted. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take a picture. You know, I'm going to post it. This is my project and I'm going to do it the way I want it. I feel like if not for the feedback that I was getting from all these women and all these visitors to my website that they were saying that, oh my God, this is what they needed to see or this is what they needed to hear. Because with every picture I would post, I would also like describe. One picture I remember I took in the bathtub, I submerged myself under the water completely and I took the pictures from like up above holding the camera in my hands and then I explained it that a bath time for me is the time when I can escape from my kids, from everything. It's the time that I can be by myself. And if I submerge myself in the water, I even can't hear anybody. It's just me and I hear my heart pumping, you know, and I hear the pulse and, and I don't hear the kids yelling out in the living room or somewhere or fighting or, and just, you know, stuff like that. I was just really honest about everything. One picture was like, I think I was crying. This is my life. This is how I felt. And this is what I took a picture of. And I did it. I did that the entire year, even despite the fact I missed day or two, I kept going. I was like, you know, I'm not going to stop it because I missed a day. That project helped me realize that I want to become a photographer. Because then I looked back at all these pictures from my entire year and a lot of them were with my kids. A lot of them were just me playing on the playground with my kids, me cooking with my kids, me potty training my kids, you know, like all these normal things. And I realized that I want to do that for other moms. This project was like the breakthrough because I realized, yes, this is what I want to do. When you were talking about that journey and that process, I'm not a mom. But I could feel it. And you said few simple, but really important things, especially nowadays. You said, this is me. I took that picture and this is me. I've done the project and I've decided, yes, photography is that space, that mental sanctuary that I want to spend time there. And then you were saying there was that lovely feedback that boosted my confidence. No escape was shown there. I heard comfort. I heard huge honesty. How did it feel in that environment that you've been creating where we pretend with the pictures and we paint an amazing lives? especially on social media? You've made a conscious decision. I'm not going to pretend here. This is what it is. And how was it through that process? Did you have moments when you thought, shit, you know, like I'm showing myself? You know what? No, really. You said something about the world that right now we live in, that people pretend and they just put out the best out of us. We all start putting out only the best pictures of us. It's all the perfect stuff. It's not the real stuff. About a year ago, I realized that I started being that kind of photographer. For my clients, I've been creating the perfect moments. And I started feeling a little bit like I'm cheating. Because sometimes I would have clients that would come to my sessions. I'm an empath. I can pick up on people a lot. They come to the session and I feel between them, there's a tension. It's not nice. And I'm here right now during the session and I'm asking them to smile, you know, and I'm taking these beautiful pictures when they kiss and when they, you know, throw their, their kids up in the air. And, and I'm like, ah. Most of my clients would always give me the feedback that I've created the most beautiful memories for them, the most artistic pictures of their families, the most like natural. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, really? 
So I felt like the cheating, adding to this, this perfection and showing only the good side of people when we all have the bad. Surely nobody wants to pay for the bad. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, I need to earn money, right? I need to live. <laughs> so sometimes it's like the client is my boss. So what they want, I can give them, right? I don't want to, you know, come with my boots in their house and photograph the real, the raw. They are not ready for it. That's where my self-portraits kept me happy. Like I felt like, okay, I still need to do the business and I still need to have my clients. I do like taking those happy pictures because more often than not that I do have my clients that are happy and I can see the love kids running around. And I always tell my clients, just bring good attitude. That's it. Please don't stress your kids. Don't tell them that they need to smile and behave. And I like that because like I said, when I take this camera in my hand and I start creating for them and I am part of this interaction that is happening between them, when I come home, I often, when I sit and I edit my pictures, I laugh. My daughter, once she came, she says, Mom, why are you smiling? These pictures just make me happy. I capture these moments in between moments when I see these parents blushing because I ask them to kiss. I feel this emotion in me and I start blushing. I feel like, oh my God, that was so cute. So that's one thing. But then again, like even in those moments that I feel like I'm cheating a little bit as well, but I always feel like I have my self-portraits. Nobody's going to take that away from me. And I can be as raw, as honest as I want to be. And nobody has any saying. Nobody can stop me. Just staying for a wee bit in the place of sessions that you do with people and families mainly. It's great when it's real and when it's true. When it's not, do you feel sometimes like you're snooping on them like a voyeur? Being honest with you, I don't think so. No. I don't because the kind of photography I do for people, they give me the permission to do it. If they don't want to do something that I ask them to do, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I want them to have fun. I want them to have a nice experience during my sessions. I don't want to embarrass them. I often ask them, are you okay with kissing, for example, you know, in front of me? Is it okay? People are like, oh, yeah, you know, like, eh, some say, nah, you know, no, really. We just want to like play, run, or do something. And so that kind of like sets the entire mood for my session because I know, okay, I shouldn't be asking them to do this. You know, I shouldn't be asking to do that. I've done it in the past and I felt and I saw the embarrassment. My clients come from so many different backgrounds and cultures and from all over the world that I, I don't know what's their culture, what's their background. Maybe, you know, kissing in public or kissing in, in front of a person that they don't know. It's something that it's a no-no or, you know, they just don't do it. So I don't do it. There's a lot of different photographers that, that are like strictly lifestyle photographers and their sessions are based on going to people's homes and spending 24 hours with the family as the family just lives. I feel like that would be like a peeking kind of like I'm there to kind of snoop around and sneak and, you know, hide behind the couch and do that. And I don't do it. So I don't really feel like that. And I don't think that I would want to because I don't feel comfortable to be like that. It's not my not my thing to be to be sneaky like that. Honesty in that space is quite a strong theme and it brings a memory to my head as well. I want to go back to the self-portraits. You've mentioned that photography helps you with managing or maintaining your mental health. You've mentioned that there has been a lot of anxiety, there has been a lot of low self-esteem. And I remember a few years ago, you've mentioned a project that required quite a lot of courage. And you were basically coming up to people that you've seen on the street and asking them if you can take their picture. How did it shape then your later journey? How was it for you at that time? 
I struggle with a lot of self-esteem issues and I am a homebody. I struggle with anxiety and I feel, and I describe myself as a socially awkward. I don't know what to talk about. You know, the small talk is my nightmare. If I have to do a small talk with people, it's like, just shoot me, just shoot me first and then just bury me, you know, as deep as you can. (laughs) That was one of these, again, New Year resolutions. I called it a 52 portrait of a stranger. And my plan was to do one picture of a stranger a week for 52 weeks for one whole year. I have to admit, I didn't finish it, but I got to... 13 weeks. I went through 13 weeks. So I did 13 portraits. Even despite the fact that I didn't finish it, that was also like a big uh, learning curve. It's funny that you mentioned it because I've been just thinking about going back to it now after, you know, two years of this break. And I feel like I'm ready now. Like I wasn't ready then because it was just to approach my first subject I felt like I am going to die. I was shaking. My hands were shaking. My voice was shaking. Was shaking. I was like, Jesus, why am I so scared? Like, I didn't know even like what's happening and why is it happening? And I picked this very nice lady, older lady in the library, in our public library. And we were in the bathroom washing our hands. And I'm like, I see her in the mirror and we are washing hands. And I'm like, okay, Eva, you got to ask her. You got to ask her now. Please ask her, ask her, ask her. Or you're never going to do it. Just ask her, you know? And then just like the voice in my head said no no you can't you can't what are you gonna say she's gonna say no and I had this war in my head like what am I gonna tell her what am I gonna tell her and then I just approached her I'm like you know hi you know my name is so and so and I have this project I'm a photographer and she just was standing there and she had this big grin on her face and she's like yeah absolutely where do you want me to sit what do you want me to do you know and that was like million pounds fell off of me and I was like that wasn't that bad what the heck is wrong with you it was getting easier and easier on me every week was getting easier to approach a person in those 13 weeks I've done it I never got no I always got yes from all the people that I've approached. They were so happy to be part of my project and they always wished me luck. But I felt like even despite the fact that it was getting easier on me, the emotional pressure, I couldn't get through that blockage that is in my head. Even with the camera in my hand, approaching people and talking to strangers was such a huge emotional weight on me. I felt depressed. Leaving them, I felt so heavy. I dreaded the moment when I have to go out again and ask another person to do it for me. Maybe it also has something to do with that English is my second language and I've been always very aware of all the mistakes, silly things I say, or that I have accent, the criticism, the demon, I would say in my head, that's always criticizing me, always saying the bad things about me. And I felt like this project brought that into a daylight even more than anything before, because, you know, now I was by myself and now I need to approach these strangers and I need to talk to them in English. I still had this thing in my head telling me, you know, you suck. Your English sucks. Your accent is bad. Everybody's always asking you, where are you from? You know, and it's just like, I don't want anybody to ask me again where I'm from. You know, it's just like, ah. So maybe that was the problem, like thinking about it now, speaking out loud about it. But even my husband, he said, oh my God, I didn't see it until he started pointing it out. All of a sudden, I was able to just have a chit chat with a random guy in a store or a lady. They were talking about my kid or this or that. And I were like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh yeah, blah, 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 you know, and I was just talking with them. And he's like standing there, you know, it's like, you changed. 
And he says, and I see that it was this project that changed you. And then he was asking me, I was like, why did you stop? It was going so well for you. And it looks like it's really boosting your self-confidence and the way you are and, and interact with people. And why did you stop? I feel like I stopped because of the emotional heaviness, the weight that this project brought into my life. And, you know, with already these issues that I have or I had, I've tried to work through adding this project into my life was like, is it worth it? Do I really want to do it? So I stopped. But it's funny, like, yeah, that you mentioned, because again, we have new year, and I've been thinking about doing going back to some kind of project that I can do this year. I feel like I think I want to go back to that project and do it again, because I'm just curious about myself right now. Like, can I do it? And how that can make me grow I think I am ready to try it again. If you do, good luck with that. This is Just Stories Podcast. I'm Marzena Farana-Sherlock, and I meet with people to find out about stories and places that are part of their history. I seek random stories told by random people. Today, I'm talking to Eva about how photography and art helped her to overcome her anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. Eva says, Photography is my language, and I want to use it for a bigger purpose, not just to express myself, but often to talk about other topics as well. Please bear in mind that this episode contains some language that might be considered offensive by some people. We will be talking about something that might be upsetting to some listeners. I could feel the heaviness of the project and I don't think it was about taking the picture. It was that whole anxiety and that imposter syndrome that was coming out with it. You're not good enough or you're too much. It won't work. People will not participate. Photography in that case sounded like it wasn't the tool to lift your mental health. Where was the time that photography like lifts you up? And when was the moment that you felt the photography really kept you drifting on the surface? Two years ago, I was admitted to a hospital for suicidal thoughts. And after that, I had to go through a therapy. The therapy is based on words, right? You need to communicate with your therapist about your emotions, about everything, but you need to communicate somehow. I remember him doing the first interview with me. He needed to know my history. And I was just sitting there. I was talking really low, very slow. And he's like, are you always like that? Emotionless. I was like looking somewhere in the window. And I was like, I just don't want to say anything. Like, I wish I could just sit there, cross my arms and cross my legs and just sit there for an hour. That was the requirement of me getting out of that hospital that I need to go to a therapy. So I was like, fuck, I need to do it. You know, I need to come here every week. I don't want to be here. So I did that. He did all that intake. The next time I went to the therapy and I literally sat there for 30 minutes, not saying anything. And he sat there in front of me and he was just watching me. And we just sat there. He asked me a question. I was like, no, yes, I don't know. It was ridiculous. And then he's like, what do you want from those sessions? I was like, I don't know. I'm here because you guys sent me here. But we talked a little bit then and this, it was like he was pulling this teeth out of me, painful, just to get anything out of me. I think it was like our third session or something like that. He started talking about photography. He changed his approach and he started talking about things he thought I'm going to like 
talking about. That's how we started the whole talk about photography. I remember mentioning the self-portraits to him and I said that I love taking self-portraits and he's like, oh, really? You know, he's like, do you have any that you can show me? I had them available and I showed it to him. And he starts scrolling through those self-portraits. I think he realized that like we just talked about that my photos are my words. Just felt like something click in him that he realized that I am communicating through my pictures. We can sit there for probably 10 years and talk and I'm not going to say anything. Or we can switch to photography and he can ask me to express what I feel through pictures. He started asking, he's like, okay, now when you go home, can you take pictures and document this week from now to next week when you come back and we will talk about it? And I was like, yeah, I think I can do that. I feel that was the breakthrough in my therapy. The fact that he, he was willing not only that he discovered, because, you know, there's a lot of therapies that would discover it, but then they would just dismiss it. He just literally grabbed into it and he's like, all right, I get you. And I will do whatever it takes to help you through this, allowing you to use your own language and my language as photography. And that's how we start communicating. I was showing him pictures that I took over the week and he would just like ask me about it. He was like, so I see this one. I see this one. Like, oh my God. He's like, I feel so much sadness in here. Why did you feel so sad? I found this guy who was willing to listen to me and I wasn't saying much. You know, I was just showing him all these pictures and he just read them. Like you read a book. I felt like I just wrote stuff about me and he read it. He took something out of it and he did the follow-up questions and he, he was able to pull more out of me because he saw this pain. He saw these emotions in, in me and he was willing to dig deeper and ask me follow-up questions and we were able to communicate finally. You know, I was able to finally communicate with somebody he was amazing. I will always think about him in a very positive way because I feel like because he was so willing and so open to see it in me and to work with it, he helped me tremendously. I feel like this is the moment that I realized that photography has so much impact in my life that because of photography, I was able to work through so many of my shit. I often say that I feel like photography saved my life because many, many times I had suicidal thoughts. I dealt with depression. In those moments, I took my camera out and I went out and I took pictures and I created something. And I felt like that was my antidepressant pill. That was the cold therapy, you know, like the Everybody has something, you know, that works for them. Like crocheting is one of them. It's just like, you know, for me, it's that. I feel awful. I feel terrible. And I know that I can take my camera out and go and point it at myself. And I know that I will feel better after. And it's that case of that cliche sentence that one picture can tell much more than a million words. Exactly. It's that space and the connection, almost the relationship that you've mentioned at the beginning that you've got with the camera. And I think you've used somewhere that it takes you to that safe space. Would you say that with your self-portraits, it's not only part of a personal therapy, but it also gives you a space to take a stand when it comes to expressing your thoughts about stuff that are happening in political world, especially related to women? Yeah, I don't do that often. 
I don't know. I don't want to sound ignorant, but I try to stay away from news as much as I can and don't be involved in religious discussions and political discussions and all that. I think it was two years ago, right? When Poland, you know, brought the most hard, the anti-abortion law on women. I took a stand with my pictures, even not wanting to do that. I feel like a lot of my self-portraits have something to do with some sort of issues, always. It's not always about me and my head and my problems, but they go a little bit farther. I'd like to be in a, like an advocate. There are things in this world that we do need to talk about. We circling back to showing only the pretty things. I feel like me posting those pictures and sharing the pictures of me being in these distress and saying with these pictures that I am not okay is not only about me, but it is also about other women who don't feel okay. A friend of mine the other day, she did a self-portrait and she posted it on a our closed group. And I said, I'm very impressed that she did that. It was a very powerful image. She said something about me being the inspiration for her. Again, like photography is my language and I want to use it to a bigger purpose, not just to express myself, but often to, you know, kind of talk about other topics as well in the same time. And it's that language that helps building connection and relationships and people can relate to that. Right, exactly. You know, like I often get comments. People are saying, I know what you feel. I see it. Or this picture gave me goosebumps. This is what I want. I don't care about the likes. Often people email me. People open up and they say, oh my God, I go through a depression and I'm so impressed to see you so open because I can't. Nobody knows that I'm depressed or only my close family knows it. And seeing your pictures give me this comfort that I am not alone. When I hear that, I get the goosebumps and I'm like, fuck, yes, this is why I do it. It is really powerful because in one hand we try to speak and we break loads of taboos, but on another hand we still stigmatize very often by using the language and using the words. So it sounds like photography opens the door to have those discussions for you with other people, creates the support and creates that powerful connection because this is what it's all about. And Eva, I really enjoyed the fact that the conversation has been so honest like thanks so much for opening up and mentioning about things that I'm pretty sure have not been always easy to speak about but that bravery and courage yeah thanks a lot yeah I feel like I'm in a maybe it's because the age maybe it's because other things that happened in my life I feel finally that I have the courage to speak up and tell my story And I don't want to hide anymore. I don't want to be scared and afraid of what other people will think about this or that, you know, what I do. And if I'm post a picture that I'm half naked or whatever, like, fuck it. You know, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And I feel like that's a big part of who I am and the growth that happened, you know, in my life is because photography. There's a lot of different ways to express ourselves, but they've never been shown that instead of speaking, maybe you can sculpt, maybe you can paint. That's why, like, I got into art therapy. I've noticed how my photography is helping do the breakthrough or jump through that barrier where there's no words. Literally, there were no words in me. Even if I wanted to talk, every time I spoke up, it felt so lame. I felt like no matter what I'm gonna say, you're not gonna get it. Or I'm not gonna express myself enough. Art is powerful for our brain. Anything, handwork, crocheting, knitting, painting. It's a form of meditation. And we need to invest into art classes for kids.
for teenagers. Stop putting them through these therapies and pills. Give them the outlet to express what they feel. Being a parent, I see how important it is to teach them to deal with their emotions in a very healthy way. Something different. Hey, maybe we can you know, do some art project. Maybe how about we write a gratitude journal? How about we color things? Just that kind of thing. You know, and I feel like a lot of parents also don't know. This is a tool that is widely available. There's not much talk happening about that. Sometimes words don't work. They don't work on on everybody. Like, why do we push that on people? You know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You know, like, no. We don't need to talk about it. We can do something else about it. That's kind of my thing now. <laughs> you know, I love the passion and going from the fear to being fierce. And I love when women owe who they are. And this is how you came across during that discussion. You're reaching who you are and you own it. And there's a huge passion. And I just wanted to say thanks for spending an hour of your life with me. <laughs> Yeah, I can spend way more time with you. You know, you're one of those few people that I can just spend so much time with, you know. So thank you for being. It's a pleasure. And having heart from stone, I actually have got tears in my eyes. And it's been amazing, Eva, that you've decided to share your story because it's a really brave thing. Even after listening this, I hope that many people who feel like I felt that they don't have words for a lot of their problems, emotions, fears, or whatever, that there's a different, and now I'm tearing up. (laughs) There's a different way, you know, there is a way for them to get better. As a society, we kind of grab to one thing, we start pushing it on people. This is the way we need to treat you, you know, or this is the way to make you feel better and get you out of that problem. There are other things that people can use to get better than just words and, you know, or pills. We should invest into that and we should be more aware and there should be more advocates. For me, art therapy is just the best. It's powerful. I feel like this conversation could have gone on much longer. Eva's passion, the bravery to show her vulnerabilities, the conversation about how important for her is to build relationships through art hugely grabbed my heart. I'm forever grateful for her time and wish her all the best with her projects. This was the fifth episode of Just Stories podcast. Thank you for listening. You can tune in to Just Stories Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean platform. In the next episode, we will meet Ed, who has got a passion for old railway lines. This goes back to his childhood and remains a big part of Ed's life today. See you in two weeks.